Millennial Man Podcast, podcast from SeedCity.com. I'm your host, Arden Kulik, and with me here is the most dapper of 1970s dressed, not in the closet type men, and that's Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everyone. Before we get into this, I did, I didn't even tell you I was going to do this, but I just give me a minute because I got to talk about how awful the NCAA is. As oh. everybody knows, yeah, as everybody knows, <laughs> I'm a big Michigan. And then there was a report yesterday that they were being investigated. I was out for a run when it happened, so I didn't see it right off the bat. But apparently they're being investigated for sign stealing, which is a very common occurrence in college football. I know people will say, oh, he's just being a homer because that's his team. You can look it up. Every team does it. It's a very simple thing. That's why there's multiple signs that you do. What bugs me the most about this story is that the coaches who complained about it are anonymous. And I know for one, it's Greg Schiano because you can watch his interview at halftime of that game. I don't know who the other one is, but I don't care. I also think it's kind of absurd for the NCAA to, okay, we're going to go after Jim Harbaugh for watching workouts during the COVID season and buying cheeseburgers for people. And now, oh, we're going to go after Jim Harbaugh for sign stealing. This is clearly the NCAA has a vendetta against him. I would say this if this were happening with Ryan Day or Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney or anything. It's clear the NCAA, who is a corrupt, farcical organization of people, has some kind of vendetta against this is lap that they're being investigated for this. I think the Big Ten coaches who came out and complained about this are whiny crybabies who, quite frankly, can't deal with it. But this all comes down to the NCAA being just an abhorrent organization who kind of picks and chooses rules they want to follow and who they really want to go after. And this continual vendetta they have against Jim Harbaugh is absurd. It's pointless, it's stupid, and it shows how inept and foregone the NCAA is. All these college football teams need to get away from that organization and start their own thing. They will make more money than they could ever imagine. But the NCAA just continues to prove time and time again how much of a joke of an organization it is for continually going after Michigan while letting programs like Tennessee skate by. Or Mark Stoops came out and said Georgia's buying players. There's no investigation going on there. Florida State had multiple incidents going on. So what about Baylor and Missouri with the rapes they covered up or Penn state with the child sex abuse, Michigan state on James Franklin to come out and complain about Michigan as well. So this is absurd. The NCAA needs to really figure out what they want to do. If they're going to be involved with college football for them to cover up rapes and, and assaults, go after Michigan for sign stealing and watching workouts during COVID. This is absurd to me. I just wanted to get that off my chest. The NCAA <laughs> is a horrible nation. So thank you. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Hi, I, I, I saw that story yesterday and I was, my first thought was you you can't steal signs or whatever. You can't watch other teams games and look at coaches well, and look at the game film. I yeah. mean, I only went as far as playing high school football and we watched game films of other teams and tried to figure out what they were doing on the sidelines. So. Yeah. I guess my high school is a, is a, is illegal of stealing signs as well. This is not the Houston Astros. That's professional. Yeah, this is college where it is not against the rules to take signs. Well, speaking of nonsensical, Ty. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I want to get that off my chest. <laughs> no, that's okay. We're going to talk about a particular ha- Halloween special, and I know we have this other podcast, First Watch Rewatch. This is not the same way you and I watched this thing for the first time this week, but. Yeah. I wanted to, it gives me a reason to talk about somebody I've always wanted to talk about. And it's also a nice little time capsule of what life was like before we came into the world. But (laughs) to talk about that, I need to talk about the star of this entire thing. And that's Paul Edward Lynn. Now, what do you know about Paul Mm -hmm. Lynn? 
I know him from The Simpsons. He also, I also know that he was on Hollywood Squares or whatever. But what I truly know him from, and what, the only thing I think about while I watch this, this quote unquote Halloween special, was he's in The Simpsons. And uh, somebody, I want to say like uh, Shusha or somebody like that from that era. And that that person says to him, I don't think you understand the making the workings of heterosexual sex. He says, circle gets the square. And that's how they go away from it. So that's what I know Paul Lynn from. Yeah, Paul Lynn was a, a he was a actor, mostly a lot of television, but really came to notoriety with the play in the movie Bye Bye Birdie which was a Broadway okay. musical loosely based on Elvis being drafted into the military and huh. probably a couple of other big things. There's the song kids where, when we talk about this Halloween special, we'll bring it up, but also the Simpsons <laughs> did that in the yep. episode with, um, what, well, where the kids are trying the to curfew. watch the horror. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, they have the curfew. Yeah. So Paul Lynn is probably one of the most, like some people are going to be like, I know I've heard that name and I'm going to play a few clips. You're definitely have heard the voice before. But yes. he, as a matter of fact, his uh, most of his time of working was in the 60s and 70s. He died fairly young. It says here oh, on really? Wikipedia. Yeah, he died. He was 55 years old. And oh, wow. I'll that talk about. Young. Yeah, I'll talk about the end of his life in the second half here. Mel Brooks at one time said uh, that Paul Lynn is the funniest human being alive. And he oh, said okay. he's capable of getting laughs, quote, by reading a phone book, tornado alert or seed catalog. And this is so pretty high praise, all right? Yeah. And you want to talk about a career in the short period of time that he was there. He he went to Northwestern University and graduated. Oh, for, I have to say this. He's born in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Go Buckeyes. Oh. <laughs> uh, and he had, I mean, if you think about it, he has a brother who died in World War II. And then a few years later, his parents each died within three months of each other. So Ugh, I think horrible. he was just Man. like at college at the time. He always wanted to be a serious actor, but a lot of people think he used the comedy to get rid of some of his pain and stuff like that. Sure. But at um, Northwestern, he was classmates with Cloris Leachman, uh, Charlotte Ray, some pretty well-known people. This is, um, as I talk about a few other people in this special, this was kind of a time where if you wanted to be an actor, you went and you did your work and you did some theater and you did a little few television. And you usually, you could get a real career in this. Some of the people that are in the special we're going to talk about had very, very short careers, but they still had careers. They had done other things. Margaret Hamilton family was very big into public education. So Paul Lynn, though, he uh, was the big star. Now, what really launched him in the stratosphere is the show Bewitched, where he played the the uncle. I think it was uh, a lot of people are like, oh, he's one of the Darrens or whatever. No, he played Uncle Arthur. He was, people loved him, thought he was great. He had this really kind of Catskill wry sense of humor. And then you talked about Hollywood Squares. And this mm -hmm. is like, he would be the center square. Now, Paul Lynn was gay, but you're at a time where you can't talk about being gay. So yeah. he was definitely closeted, but he, there was no way in hell any normal human being would not understand that this man is gay. So there was a, yeah. a couple of Hollywood Squares things. One of the, the question was, what's the most popular fruit? Or you're the world's most popular fruit, and what are you? And Paul Lynn said, I'm humble. Oh, boy. What's an unusual thing uh, that you would – or what, what unusual thing do you do if you have something called the gift of tons? And Lynn said, I wouldn't tell the grand jury. Why should I tell you? 
Oh man. Okay. So he, <laughs> I guess he was hiding it, but he was also, it seems like he was also trying to let everybody know. Yeah. And there is like, I'll go through some of that later, but it seemed to be the one thing that really bothered him that he could not be out. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, there's been a documentary about this. There's a lot of negative stereotypes about the typical gay man that people think come from Paul Lynn. But, you know, here's a guy who was actually really gay and could not come out. So and he was a in demand uh, in demand comedic actor. So he definitely, you know, he, he wants to work. He wants to continue to if you're in show business, you obviously want fame. So I don't I personally don't really blame him. I mean, he did the absolute best he could. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing with Paul Lynn. He was very good with other people. He was very good on Bewitched. He was very good on uh, on Hollywood Squares. And TV studios kept trying to give him his own shows, and they never worked out. He replaced somebody on one show, and the show was canceled quickly afterwards, a show called Temperature Rising. He had the Paul Lynn show, and he had this contract with ABC, and these shows just kept not working. So they decided that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give you specials. Now, today when we think of a comedy special, we think of something like Netflix, where they'll do Chris Rock or somebody will do an hour and a half or so, and you'll see that. But Paul Lind, I mean, they used to do these kind of specials all the time, but Paul Lind in the 70s really created this genre of a star going out there and doing little skits here and there and showing off all their crap or whatever. And on November 6, 1975, the Paul Lind Comedy Hour came on. He would show up on the Osmond show a lot, too. So with Donnie that and Marie Osmond. That's why they were on. The, okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's not the one we're talking about, but it did well enough that a year later, on October 29th, 1976, the Paul Lynn Halloween special came on. You made me wait a year. Were you all mad at me? I remember you <laughs> saying something like that at the start. So I'm going to play the opening credits for this, Ty, just so the listener gets a feel for who in 1976 was going to be on this this a very well-watched, very big Halloween special. And then I want to get your your thoughts on this guest list. It's the Paul Lynn Halloween Special, starring Paul Lynn, with Paul's special guests, Tim Conway, Roz, Pinky, Tuscadero, Kelly, Margaret Hamilton, Billy Hayes, Billy Barty, special guest star, Florence Henderson, a special appearance by Betty White, and a rock and roll explosion, Kiss. And now, the Paul Lynn Halloween Special. Anything stand out there? <laughs> So <laughs> I only know Tim Conway again from The Simpsons because he's on where they do the variety show where they have three different episodes yep. in one episode. And Homer says, what's a Tim Conway? And Tim Conway walks out and says about 130 pounds. <laughs> so I only know Tim Conway from that. When they say an appearance from Betty White, they really do mean just an appearance. She is barely there. You had to tell me who Pinky Tuscadero was. I didn't know the other people. And why on earth Kiss was there? I will never <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll 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 get into that. Okay, so okay. <laughs> it's going to be the last clip I play, so the listener's going to have to wait for this. But I always knew who Paul Lynn was. Seth MacFarlane says the character of Roger on American Dad. That's Paul Lynn. That's okay. That's who that's supposed to be. Somebody, so uh, somebody sent me an email through the first watch rewatch, and they said, "Have you ever seen the Paul Lynn Halloween special?" And I was like, "No." So they sent me a one minute clip. Okay, oh. and it's and I'm getting, like we're one <laughs> and I'm going to play part of that at the end. 
but it's a bunch of people. The song Disco Boogie is being played. And over and over again. <laughs> you see Paul Lynn dancing, Florence Henderson and Tim Conway spinning around. Uh, you see these two witches swaying back and forth. And then up in the balcony, you see Kiss doing nothing but staring. Standing there. <laughs> and just I'm, standing like, there. I'm like, what in the hell is this? And that's when I told you this is what we're talking about. Because yeah. it, uh 1976, this was actually, this is Kiss's first appearance on television. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now you talk about uh, Pinky Tuscadero. That was Fonzie's girlfriend on Happy Days. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. There's some of these. Uh, Billy Barty was a really famous uh, actor. He was a a short person, which we will get to in a oh moment here. Yeah. Tim Conway, Carol Burnett show, one of the biggest stars on the show at the time. Florence Henderson, who I swear to God was blasted out of her mind on cocaine when she did this there show. There was something going on with her. <laughs> Just seemingly not there. But I want to talk about Margaret Hamilton. All yes. right. Was she the like helper at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Who, she... That's another thing with this. It starts out and Paul Lind is dressed in a Santa outfit. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. when I turned it on to no one, because I myself, isn't this supposed to be a Halloween special? <laughs> yeah. And she looks like Mrs. Claus. Yes. Until she doesn't anymore. <laughs> no. And they, you're right. That's how it starts out. It's like, a, oh, it's a Christmas show. Oh, it's a Easter show. And his housekeeper, who Margaret Hamilton plays, is like, uh, Mr. Lynn, you know it's Halloween. And he seems like not yeah. very happy about it. But I'll get to the musical numbers in a moment. I want to talk about Margaret Hamilton. So yeah. Margaret Hamilton is known for one character. She had, again, another very, very long career. But she also was mostly a school teacher but did character acting here and there, but she is the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz. Okay, because the voice and the makeup sounded too good. That's yeah. kind of what I thought, but I didn't know. I've recently gone back to watch The Wizard of Oz, and it's... it's it's Ooh, inc- awesome. Yes, it's an incredible movie. I mean, it yeah. really, really is, and she is really, really good in it. It's one and, of the few movies I own on Blu-ray. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, it is a... Very, very good movie, and she is an iconic, iconic person in that movie. And But again, she was mostly a school teacher. But she would do a lot of television appearances as a Wicked Witch just uh, because it was a character she was well-known for. She also, she, I mean, Margaret Hamilton's really a fascinating person. She got divorced in the 1930s, had oh, one wow. child that she raised on her own, never signed up for a studio, and would basically... She would do an appearance for $1,000, which is equivalent to about 20000 today. Oh, so, wow. so she kind of controlled her own career. She worked with the giants of cinema outside of The Wizard of Oz. She worked with Buster Keaton. She worked with uh, Abbott and Costello. I mean, she, she was a force, but acting wasn't her thing. She wanted to be a teacher. She was very big into public education. Another Ohio person, but Cleveland. So that's the other side of the state. <laughs> Probably more Michigan fans in Cleveland. <laughs> yes, so. Yeah. So, but she would do appearances as a Wicked Witch a lot. Famously, also in 1976, she was on an episode of uh, Sesame Street with Oscar the Grouch as the Wicked Witch. And huh. Oscar has to teach her a lesson or something. And it so traumatized children just to see her that. Sesame Street did not show that episode again until 2022. 
holy cow whoa (laughs) i mean yeah i guess kids would be afraid of her when she was yeah but this so margaret hamilton was asked to be it's a halloween show and paul lynn's people are like hey reached out to her and said will you do the wicked witch and she said she would under one condition and that is they had to hire billy hayes who played the other witch in this uh in this special now Billy Hayes was from um, uh, Sid and Marty Croft's uh, group, H&R Puff and stuff. And she played this witch named Witchy Poo on there. And everybody in the quote-unquote acting or witch world or whatever thinks she is the greatest actress to ever play a witch. Yeah, I I could see that. And Margaret Hamilton wanted her to get more exposure, wanted a large audience to see her. So she was helping a fellow actress out. In doing yeah. this, which I, God, I've, she was way ahead of her time. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. So now, I mean, again, I'll talk a little bit about this in the second half. Paul Lynn had a very, very bad alcohol and drunk problem. I mean, very bad. You can tell from watching. This, yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he, he really. I mean, they allowed other people to to do a lot of things, but a lot of the reviews that came out about this at the time was like Paul Lynn looks lost and uninterested during this whole yeah. thing. And totally couldn't agree more, <laughs> especially when he's a truck driver. Inexplicable scene. But yeah. yeah. So I'm going to play. So everybody gets a um, a flavor of Paul. And I'm going to play part of his opening monologue and you'll get this kind of cat skill humor and I'll get your your reaction to it. Ty. As you know, there's a as you know, there's a real scary holiday coming up. Election day. <laughs> so to get you warmed up for it, we're going to do a Halloween show. Halloween's my favorite holiday. What other night can a cute little kid go out and carve up a pumpkin and my sports car at the same time? (laughs) See, if you ever looked into a trick-or-treat bag, one peek's enough to rot your teeth. (laughs) I always give a prize for the uh, funniest costume. Last year, I said that the prize goes to the first one that rings my bell. It was my Avon lady. (laughs) So I gave her a box of (laughs) ding-dongs. Hide the comedy, Ty. So it's I feel bad because he passed away so young and had problems. When I watched this, because I didn't know anything, I was like, these are the hackiest jokes I've ever heard. None <laughs> of this works. Also, I don't know what an Avon lady and why would he give an Avon lady a box of ding-dongs? <laughs> and it, it, now that you say you can tell, he just kind of is phoning it in. It feels like he's there for the paycheck. What is an Avon lady? Oh, it's they used to go door-to-door to sell uh, like makeup and stuff. Oh, okay. All right. And but why would he give her a pack of ding dongs oh, then? Because it's that weird closeted gay humor. It's okay. somewhat right. <laughs> bawdy, which is the I I never watched Will and Grace. Okay, so I'm not I'm not trying to say good or My bad. My wife about, did, but I've never seen it either. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to say good or bad, but there seemed to be that these were people really like that show because it's your gay friend. Uh, what's his mm-hmm. name? was, like, very flamboyant and all that stuff. Oh, and, yeah, Sean Hayes. Yes, right. That's a lot, like, with Paul Lynn. He was, like, your gay friend. And yeah. what's weird is we're at a time, too, where, like, you're getting the rise of uh, people like Phyllis Schlafly from St. Louis and the anti-ERA people, and women should be in the kitchen, men should be working. And so anytime something was on TV, you would get these people going nuts, much like Moms for Liberty today on what it was. He makes a deep throat joke at one time in this show and it, nobody ever said anything. Because again, I, I think they like the whole he's our he's our gay best friend. He's the non-threatening gay man. 
I don't even know that I clocked that he made a deep throw joke. I, I can't even remember where it was. I was just when I was reading the reviews of it at the time it came out. Well, and it's funny too listening to that because I watched this. I had to watch it in two separate sittings yesterday, so I watched the first twenty minutes and I watched the last thirty minutes. You just reminded me of the monologue by playing it there, and then at the end when I was looking at the credits, I wanted to see if I recognize any name. Top writer is Bruce Valance. Yes, I'm like oh okay, yeah, this was one of his first <laughs> one of his first big gigs. Yes. <laughs> And yeah, uh, yeah, that he, made sense hearing that again. A lot of the reviews really went after him too, saying this thing is so oh, poorly really? written. Where we're going to get into the meat okay. of it in the second half, but to end off the first half. So Paul Lynn is known as a comedian, but he got his start again in Bye Bye Birdie and the famous song Kids. So to kick off this show, he in the doinks most doinks. <laughs> yes, in the most uh, uninterested singing voice I think I've ever heard. He does a version of the song Kids, but it's like how much he loves the kids. And uh-huh. then you get all these dancers to come out to like tie them up and do all these things. And then Donnie and Maurice show up and throw them in the <laughs> yeah. trash can. Uh huh. And I, all I can think of when I first of all I saw it, and I'm like, is that Donnie and Marie? And then he said their names. So I clocked it. But then all I could think of was the old SML skit where Julia Louis Dreyfus plays Marie Osmond. <laughs> and I remember who played Donnie, but they can't stop making out with each other. <laughs> I mean, they're big stars at the time. They don't sing on this song. They nope. don't that, talk during the show. They don't show like, up. Donnie just like do a shush yeah. in the trash can? Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. That's it. And it is. So you're we're off. We're about five minutes into this thing. And you get <laughs> you get that stupid opening. You get that hacky comedy bit. And then you get, again, he seems so disinterested when he's singing this song that he doesn't seem to care at all. Kids. <laughs> and then we get into the plot of the show, which we're going to take a breather here. And when we There's come back, no plot to this. this is nonsensical. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, yes, there was somewhat of a plot with the genius writing of Bruce Valanche. Again, I could make a debate that there was no plot to this. Now, but okay, there, there is a story, though. Yeah, I will give him yeah. that. So this is a Halloween special, a variety show Halloween special. And because of those rotten Donnie and Marie, 
Paul Lynn just doesn't want anything to do with Halloween, so but his house. Did they also blow him up in a trash? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So his housekeeper decides, "Hey, I'll take you to my sister's house." Margaret Hamilton says, "I'll take you to my sister's house," and they have like a rotten exchange. And I mean, Paul Lynn always plays a curmudgeon, so. They go and it's a total ripoff of Young Frankenstein. Also, yes. I mean, oh, how yeah. is that? I don't know which came first, but I, oh, I think mind, Young like, Frankenstein was before this. But <laughs> in my mind, that's what I, that's Young Frankenstein. So maybe his relation with Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks, is probably like, yeah, go yeah. ahead and do it. So they it's they show this B roll of this old haunted castle, and when you get in, this is where uh, Billy Hayes is, and she's playing her witch persona. And then he's like, Margaret, your sister's a witch. And then you see Margaret looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. And their butler, which I'm going to play something a little bit later, some of the humor, is uh, Billy Barty, who's a, again, shorter fellow. And they uh, Paul Lynn makes reference to that numerous sure, times. you're going to play in a second. Yeah. yeah. They decide the witches, the two witches are like, you're a nice famous guy, Mr. Lynn. Witches have a bad rap, so we want you to give us to to give us a good make the public think witches are okay. And we're going to give you three wishes because everybody knows in witch lore, they can grant wishes or whatever. But before that, (laughs) we do need to say, this is when Betty White makes her appearance Mm, and she comes down and saying, I thought I was going to get Paul Newman or I thought I was going to get, so she's like, you're not famous. (laughs) Yeah. Right to Paul Lynn's face. And, Betty White looking as good as ever in this as well. Oh, yeah. But I love, too, how Paul Lynn says after she leaves, because you're right, she's in this for like two minutes. Uh, Barely at all. And he says, that witch looked like Betty White. But then again, all witches look like Betty White. And it's like, (laughs) excuse me? (laughs) Why is he attacking? That's America's sweetheart, but she was still alive. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, okay, Paul. But yeah. so the three wishes. I'm going to play each of the wish, and then we're going to talk about what happens. Because you... This is what they decided the public wanted at the time. So, Ty, here is the first wish that Mr. Paul Lynn makes. Now, what's your first wish? You mean, you mean truthfully? Honestly? Yeah. You're going to think this is silly, but I want to be a trucker. <laughs> I want an 18-wheeler, brand new, red, white, and blue cab, and I want to drive those highways and byways, my CB at my side. I'm moving on. Smokey the Bear, look out. Here comes the rhinestone trucker. You asked for it. You got it. All right, what are your thoughts, Ty? Uh, So to me, this is just (laughs) a way for him to be like, no, I'm a big macho man. But also when you see his outfit, the rhinestone trucker, it's clear that a gay man designed this character (laughs) and made this outfit. And it is absurd. First of all, the first trucker. And then him and Tim Conway destroy the diner that Pinky <laughs> Tuscadero works in. They make too many little people jokes throughout all this. Well, of so so when Billy Barty comes in, I'm going to play you. This is about a 10-second clip. Here's what uh, Paul Lynn says. Hey, what are you guys doing on my joint? Who are you, small change? The short order cook? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so bad. Those jo- and again, this is a little person who's yeah. out there performing. And I it just... This scene makes no sense. His boots are ridiculous that he's wearing in there. And I don't understand. Again, the only logical thing I could come to with the trucker is like it's him trying to still stay closeted. But then you look at the outfit and you just know like maybe he was dating a long haul trucker at the time or something. I have no idea. But it's again, this is a Halloween special. Why they have a scene where Tim Conway and Paul Lynn are racing to a diner to marry Pinky Tusky. 
Tuscadero. And may I remind you, the first trucker he talks to, he murders. <laughs> like that trucker is dead. So for them to have a trucking scene in a Halloween special, it I I texted you during this and I said this special is weird, and you wrote back to me, "Cocaine is a hell of a drug." <laughs> yeah. uh, so I want to quickly talk a little bit about Billy Barty. Like I said, he was a actor who was in tons of stuff. And uh, I think of somebody like Peter Dinklage, who's made a very, very big oh. point about how he wants to be an actor, not a short person that gets uh, yeah. that gets put into movies. Billy Barty was he was the that beforehand, but he was put in everything because he was he was short. But he used it to his advantage, and he was in some very, very, very big things. He did the Basque. Basky, I think is I Basky, the Lord of the Rings. If you've never seen it, it's it's what it's rotoscoped, so it's real actors, but then animation layered over it. Oh, uh, okay. He did Bilbo Baggins in that. He like did Scanner Darkly, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. He was in tons of like TV shows on the Love Boat, Golden Girls. He played Gwildor in Masters of the Universe, which we are one day going to do for first watch rewatch. I've never <laughs> seen it. <laughs> he, he was in Weird Al's Opus UHF. He, oh, that movie rips! Dude. I love <laughs> yeah. that movie. He appeared regularly in a lot of Spike mm. Jones type stuff. He oh, cool. so he had a huge. Huge career. He also, though, founded the Little People of America organization, which is the number one advocacy group for for people who are who have dwarfism and advocates two for them. People in this now. Oh, the yeah. Person who advocated for public education and this person <laughs> yeah. advocating for little people. That's great. No, so the, these people used their fame to do everything they could to help, which yeah. I think is important. And he has to be subject to. What are you, the short order cook? Short cut? order cook, yeah. <laughs> what does he call him, short change or yeah, something? Yeah, small change, yeah. Bruce Valanche, you can do better. <laughs> and I, I want to give a special shout-out to Tim Conway. The guy's a comedy god, and uh-huh. the whole little things between Paul Lind and him, I felt bad because I, I, I like Paul Lind, but I felt bad because I'm like, Tim Conway is just going circles around you. Because there's like a little Tim- thing where Paul Lind says, your shoe's untied while he's driving, and... Tim Conway, in all seriousness, like, oh, let me check that out, and crashes his truck. I mean, yeah. it's a great piece of physical comedy that he does. Tim Tim Conway, to my generation, a lot of people my age probably don't know who he is. Like you said, he is a masterful comedic actor. There mm-hmm. is, I've gone back and watched Carol Burnett clips with him. I cannot believe how good of a comedic guy. So people my age, you need to check Tim Conway stuff out <laughs> if you like classic comedic actor. Yeah, he is. And then this was also where their whole joke is they're each going to marry this diner waitress and that's yeah. where uh Pinky Roz Kelly Pinky Tuscadero is who she's a In weird In the credits too they put Roz quote Pinky so they must have she must have only been known for Pinky Tuscadero. Yeah, when I looked up her stuff it is about the only thing she is known for. She's actually still alive, still has representation. Oh, good she, for her. Yeah, but she's uh the last credit she ever has was appearing on the jenny jones show in an episode titled what happened to your favorite television stars but you know what she she used that one role to get on this this gravy train of a show (laughs) i guess guess. (laughs) and then i the best way i can describe this is by what uh what it says on wikipedia about this so in the end, she decides to marry Paul Lynn's character because they're going to make a movie about him and he's got a whole bunch of money. 
and it says here, mm -hmm. Big Red and Pinky marry as the diner turns into a raucous hoedown. <laughs> Whoever wrote that is correct. That's what happened. Because they have another stating number, and it is a hoedown. So it's, uh, uh -huh. yeah. Now let's move on to the second wish. Uh, Again, a Halloween special. Yes. So here is here's Mr. Paul Lynn's second Second wish. I don't understand you witches. You just do anything you want to anybody at any time. Well, I don't want to play your games anymore. I'd rather be in the middle of the Sahara Desert than here. In fact, I wish I were. Did I say wish? And does it count? You did, and it does. Could you at least make me a chic, rich, a great lover? That we, we could, could do. do. So the skin <laughs> also i just want people because again this is an audio medium they are playing monopoly oh yeah <laughs> paul lind is playing monopoly with two witches <laughs> and he's winning and yeah. also they use the little cup to roll the dice which i think is so cool like i wish we'd go back to that uh, what about the chic sketch it is problematic <laughs> you mentioned florence henderson and she she's going for it but she is on a whole other planet during this <laughs> yes she is she paul, is doped paul, out of her mind <laughs> yeah Paul Lynn makes out with her aggressively three times during this. And there's so much so at one point you can tell they're just hugging. Yes. Because he clearly doesn't want to do that. And she's she's trying. She's trying to do something. And then Tim Conway plays like <laughs> a, a, a cop or something. Yeah, he, the foreign legion, which was yeah. uh, a military force. Yeah. <clears throat> who who lets him go because Paul Lynn, she gives him a cockatoo. <laughs> yep. And like Florence Henderson doesn't want him to leave. She's grabbing it. This is, this is so problematic because it's three white people being sheiks oh yeah no i this was the, this was the world. one skit where i was like just stop just please make it stop when's it gonna end and it was nonsensical and oh he's got the lips uh i'm gonna give you the lip lashing of the century it's like come on he's clearly a gay guy who doesn't want to be kissing florence anderson right now yeah and, and florence anderson i will say doped out of her mind oh looks great looking fantastic oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, looks absolutely great uh, now Here's where the show takes a massive left turn. So it's been okay. your. I mean, it's been nothing but. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's been your typical though. Look, you're here to see Paul Lynn. He's already done the special the year before. He's gonna do hacky jokes. He's gonna sing. He's gonna have some famous people from the time on. And then he talks about like he needs to relax, and the witches are like, "Oh, here we have a little chamber music for you." And there, our musicians are in the chamber. And coming down slow, this elevator. <laughs> comes kiss <laughs> no. a little relaxing chamber music now i told you about what paul lynn is a is a certified star right now uh -huh. okay people who watch bewitch hollywood squares again he's your your non-threatening gay friend everybody kind of loves him and you've got florence henderson and betty white and uh the wicked witch of the west you have all these people there and then kiss uh-huh. <laughs> and they yep. just go out, they do Detroit Rock City, it's explosions, it's it's kiss at the height of their power. Just completely out of nowhere. Because I saw them in the opening credits and I thought, okay, they'll probably do some, you know, big number or whatever, but I didn't realize it was gonna be from witches saying we have relaxing chamber music for you. And then and they are full makeup, full outfit, rocking their socks off. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I'm not a Kiss fan, so I don't know their songs. And watching them perform, I was like, this this song is no good. I don't care. For, and, yeah. and I assume that's one of their hits. It, it's, again, the music you hear in this, the two, two of the three, Kiss plays three songs. Two uh -huh. of the three songs they play are 
widely recognized as Kiss's greatest hits. I am not a fan of Kiss at all. I will fully say that. I don't think they're mm-hmm. that great at music. And nope. Paul Stanley is widely regarded as a great guitarist, and I think that is. And he's seemingly an okay guy, but Gene Simmons is a jackass. Um, yeah, he's awful. He's yeah. an awful dude. But this was the thing with Kiss to me is this is 1976. And like I said, two of their two of the three songs they play are widely known as their greatest hits. I don't think Kiss has mattered at all since 1976. No, but, I mean, it's their whole their whole like, I don't think they're that good of a band. I think it's a look for them. Yeah. That's why they made it. Yeah. Because they look different from other bands. And I'm that. sorry, the Kiss thing came before the the Sheik thing. But uh, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Again, this. This is a Halloween special that has next to no Halloween no. images in it at all. No, and probably, I mean, the chic part's the worst part, but the next worst part is Paul Lynn meeting Kiss. I mean, nobody yeah. seems to want to be there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Supposedly, like, after this, uh, I think it was Paul Stanley or someone said that, like, he's like, Paul Lynn had no idea who we were. <laughs> of course not. Why would he know? Yeah, I mean, It's just, just hey, weird. I'm sure he wanted some other band from the time there that he enjoyed. Now, everybody seems kind of happy, and Paul Lynn's like, you witches are okay. So they're like, all right, your third wish, your last wish, what do you want? And this is what he wishes for, Ty. I want to take my third wish and wish something for you. For us? No one ever wished anything for us. Well, there must be one thing in the world you'd really like to do. (laughs) You know, us witches don't have a lot of fun. We want to go to a Hollywood disco. You've never been to a Hollywood disco? We've costumed a few, but we've never been. Well, where there's a wand, there's a way. Not a disco, tie. A Hollywood disco. Yeah, a Hollywood disco. Also, so this, him taking the wand intimates that Paul Lynn is magic. <laughs> that he can bestow wishes upon people. Yeah, a, a, a Hollywood disco. I don't understand the whole costuming joke and... This is the only time I feel like Paul Lynn was interrupted. He says, you've never been to a Hollywood disco. Like, <laughs> yes. oh, I got something to show you, ladies. So. Well, I figured the drugs were kicking into their high power by this time. Sure. Because has then, to be. Yeah, the, it starts off with Florence Henderson, who is not is known she as... singing? Yes. Is this her actually singing? Yes. Okay, all right. Not known as a singer, but... I thought she was lip syncing. <laughs> she may have been, I don't, but she's... She's singing, and it's your typical disco people dancing around. Paul Lynn's wearing this, like, sequin black and orange tuxedo. They do thing. have bats, like yes. silhouettes of bats in the in the ceiling at this point, too. So they are <laughs> trying to do something Halloween adjacent. Yeah, and Kiss, who came out to rock your face off with Detroit Rock City, plays, I, I want to say, maybe their biggest hit ever, a song called Beth, which is I've an extremely— slow song <laughs> yeah. and i never heard it it's a love song yes and i'd never heard it until yesterday and it's peter chris who's the drummer in his full kiss makeup on a piano uh-huh. yep. playing this really slow song in the middle of this disco and then at the end of it the three other band members walk out and hang out around the piano yeah <laughs> i mean kiss does not belong here at no all. it's a un, it's a mismatch it doesn't yeah. work and so we're we're coming to an end here, and Paul has one more thing to ask the witches. You know, I have to ask you a favor. Do you think you can find it yourself to go me one more wish? Now, you've been so very good so far, I'll have to say no. Oh, rats. Rats! Anyone who's a friend of rats is a friend of mine. What's your wish? Atta girl. I wish Kiss would do one more song for us. 
Immediately, if that. not sooner. <laughs> yeah. He wishes to play a third song during this 50-minute Halloween special. Right. And Kiss shows up at like the 30-minute mark. So you got three Kiss songs uh-huh. in this this low-grade Saturday Night Live Carol Burnett hour of... what well, I'd say the last 30 minutes, it's nothing but songs. Yeah. There's hardly any jokes in there. After the yeah. Chic sketch, it's just music and them dancing. So as we get to all the chaos and all this stuff, the thing that made me think, okay, Ty, you and I are going to spend an hour talking about this as our Halloween show, or one of our Halloween shows. They all get together, and Pinky Tuscadero comes out, and Paul Lynn comes, and here is that exchange, Ty. I've been watching you, Pinky. Oh, yeah, I've been watching you watching me talk, Paul. I bet I'm having a better time than you are. Oh, yeah? Uh, Do you think you could uh, teach me to do that? Are you okay, you Todd? Know, <laughs> you know who would have loved this? It's Disco Stew. <laughs> yes. But also, before that, Gene Simmons blows fire yes, into the yes. crowd, and they have pyrotechnics and whatever coming out. But did she call him Tall Paul at one point? Oh, I don't know. She might have, yeah. And, but yeah, and then the rest of the special, which has still got like a good two or three minutes in it, is them singing this disco lady song <laughs> and doing the dance. It's and disco it's very, baby, yeah. Disco, okay. And it's a very simple dance that she teaches everybody to do. Yeah. Also, the people in the crowd, some of the dancers... I thought they had masks on. It was the back of their head that had a mask in their hair that I was noticing. It wasn't their face. (laughs) This is bizarre. This is (laughs) so bizarre. (laughs) This goes on. It's it's like two, three minute scene of Disco Baby and just showing all these people. Like I said, I mean, Tim Conway just looks like, okay, give me my paycheck and let me get (laughs) out of here. Florence Henderson is in the clouds easily. (laughs) She's on a whole other planet. Yeah. And then there's just Kiss looking on. They're not doing yeah. anything. They're just looking. There's, like, they're pointing at the ceiling or yeah, something. It's like, like I mean, they ha- <laughs> look, I, I, I said all those bad things about Kiss. I'm going to say something good here. They're trying to make it in this business, and this is their sure. first opportunity to be on TV. And they did it. <laughs> they uh-huh. were like, I mean, the only reason for a long time this fell out of the public consciousness, but Kiss fans knew about it. So they kept it kind of around because oh. it was Kiss's first TV appearance. Yeah. And then with the advent of YouTube and all that stuff and the nostalgia like this podcast, it is it uh, it, it becomes a thing. As a matter of fact, yep. though, there's an independent station in Buffalo, New York, that plays this show every Halloween. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to text our aunt and uncle and see if they've listened to it <laughs> yes. before. But that's the Paul Lynn Halloween special. Again, Halloween... This is like Dancing with the Stars. It needs to be put in quotes. There is mention of Halloween. They have bats. And as you said, Paul Lynn wears a black and orange suit at the end of it. This is Christmas, Easter, Valentine's Day, a problematic chic sketch, a weird trucker sketch. Paul Lynn's magical. There's no Halloween in this at all, with the exception of witches, bats, and an outfit. That's it. Yeah, but it was a hit. Six months I'm sure later, it was. six months later, Paul Lynn had the Paul Lynn Comedy Hour. Following that, following December, he did "Twas the Night Before Christmas." 
Oh, we got to watch that one. <laughs> yep. He did another <laughs> Paul Lynn comedy hour in May of 1978. He did a thing called Paul Lynn at the movies in uh, March of 79. And then he did Paul Lynn goes mad, a bunch of A's in there, with mm-hmm. Donnie and Marie and Charo and Vicky Lawrence. And Ooh, we got to watch that one, too. <laughs> in May of 79. <laughs> now, that was kind of Paul Lynn's. That, that one was kind of his last. Charo is the character on The Simpsons who says that. Too. Yes. That's who it is. I couldn't remember. That was kind of his last one because I told you earlier he had a lot of problems with drugs and alcohol. And he – in the 1960s, there was an incident where a bunch of guys – he was with a bunch of guys at a hotel room in San Francisco. And supposedly Paul Lynn would get very violent and angry when he was drunk. And he and another guy, according to the police reports, say they were horsing around. But a 24-year-old fell out of the ace story of – their hotel window when they're all drunken on drugs and die. Oh, in uh, nineteen wow. and a lot of times. So that was in the sixties. But a lot of times, you know, Paulin was a big star. They keep these things closed. Well, in seventy seven, he was the grand marshal of homecoming at Northwestern, where he went to school. And mm-hmm. after the play or after the uh, the parade, parade, he was at, at like a restaurant or whatever, and was caught making racist remarks towards a a, a professor, James Pitts. And it made the news and everything like that. And Lynn said it was he was tired, but he was drunk is what it was. Sure. And yeah. then in 1978, he was doing a segment for the TV show Donnie Marie, and he was leaving a bar. He ended up uh, in office. His car had been broken into, and Lynn got into a very public fight with his police officer. And it, it ended up being dropped, but his behavior was becoming problematic. Yep, sounds and, like it. Yeah, he started to lose some work, so he did – he did become sober and drug-free in 1980. He cleaned up his life, did all that other stuff. There's he, There was an article in People magazine where they referenced his hairdresser and bodyguard. A lot of people believe that was his his partner. Okay. Um, he always – the people that knew him said it really, really bothered him that he could never come out and tell sure. people about it. And then in uh, January of 1982, he was supposed to show up at a birthday party. He never did. Oh, sorry. One other thing I wanted to say. With his money, he ended up buying uh, Errol Flynn's house in Hollywood. Errol Flynn was famously the first Robin Hood. And yeah. he lived there with his dog. And when his dog died, he could never go He could never go back to that house. So just bought a different house. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Wow. But in, like I said, in... January of 1982, he didn't show up to a party. A friend went to his house, had to break into the side and fall, found Paul Lynn in his pajamas, dead in his bed, died of a heart attack. Like I said, at Ugh. 55 years old, because, hey, even if you clean up, I mean, drugs and alcohol, I'm not trying to do a PSA here, but they they will destroy you. Absolutely. And I, you never hear of anybody like fully getting, I don't know what the right word is, it just it, it's, it's never a good thing. No. When you're that heavily involved in it. No. Now, supposedly, um, Billy Eichner is working with a producer, and they're developing a biopic based on the life of Paul Lynn called Man hell in the Box yeah. that Billy I'll Eichner is going to play as Lynn. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and he is, for kind of a short career, for kind of being a goofball or a goofy guy or somebody that we all kind of make fun of, he did. He he had a massive career, incredibly – He did. Um, Again, we keep going back to The Simpsons, but he did a lot of Hanna-Barbera voices, did Paul Lynn. And there was the um, – God, I know he did Hong Kong Fooey, but there was the behind-the-laughter episode of The Simpsons. 
And at the very Huckleberry uh, Hound, I say I I, I think he did play because there was at the end of that episode where he says, Uh I'm so gay. And it's in the Paul Lynn voice. (laughs) It's and there is that Paul Lynn voice that everybody knows about. But for one brief moment, he collected a who's who of 70s icons and kiss (laughs) to do the most lazy, hacky Halloween special that had nothing to do with Halloween. I had nothing at all. I I remember when I finished, (laughs) I turned it off last night on the YouTube clip and thought, well, this wasn't about Halloween at all. So I moved on with my. (laughs) But. You know what? Neither you or I are that big into Halloween or anything like that. So I was like, "What's no. a what's an interesting little piece of of pop culture that we need to reintroduce to people?" Because again, if you're a Kiss fan, here's your first time seeing Kiss. Yeah. If you think Betty White is an ugly witch, here's your chance <laughs> to be involved with that. Uh, yeah. If you want to see what a lot of people consider the greatest live action witch ever, it has this. If you want to see a guy that paved the way. For little people, I don't know what word I should use, but people with dwarfism, if you want to see somebody pave the way for them, there's your guy. You want to know what the Wicked Witch was doing when she wasn't the Wicked Witch? She was out there teaching children. So it's there's a lot of greatness in it. And then there's Paul Lynn. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He clearly just phoned it in and... And so this was Bruce Valanche's first job as a head writer because it is not not the best comedy that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, to close it off at the very end, he did. He that was a weird look to camera and was like thanking everybody. Yeah, that was weird. It was it was almost the only sincere part of it. But yeah, totally. The last thing he says though is he says I can't remember the exact line, but it's something like "and thank you for accepting me." Yeah, I, uh, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Letting me into your homes or some something like that. All right, Ty. So if Billy Eichner needs to cast you as uh God, that's gonna be so awesome. <laughs> as, as one of the people from the Paul Lynn, as the Tim Conway in the Paul Lynn Halloween special, where is he gonna find you? Uh you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, T Y K U L I K, all lowercase. Come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G dot com. I may write about this special actually for the <laughs> website, so you can check that out there. At- edsing.com go check out chucklehead chat the episode i was supposed to be on there was some personal conflict so i couldn't do it but i'm gonna be on that soon enough i think talking about the johnny manza but go listen to the other episodes of chucklehead chat it's a great st louis centric podcast hosted by glenn adams most importantly listen to me on this podcast the ex-millennial man podcast rate review us tell your friends about us check out first watch rewatch check out our patreon and as always black lives matter yeah, repeat all that, ex-millennial man. Uh, this was, I said, kind of like a first watch, rewatch, but not totally. It was more about Paul We both Lynn. watched it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> coming up, we have just did the Halloween episode for that. I'm going to be sending Movie you. still is terrible. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to send you the uh, the stuff for the next one. And speaking of holiday specials, look for in December, because I'm going to make you sit through the absolutely craptastic Star Wars holiday special. I I'd be lying if I didn't think when I finished the Paul Lynn one that you told me that the Halloween special is 90 minutes long. And I thought I have to watch 40 more minutes of the Star Wars <laughs> one that's supposedly even worse. Oh, so. it's it's it is <sighs> truly, truly awful. But yeah, with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we are here every Saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And um, shake it in, shake it out, Disco Baby Talk. Yeah, I guess, you know, stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>
The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSane.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.